Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. I'm Richard Harris, and uh, it's just great to have you watching today. Uh, we've got a great program lined up for you today. We're going to be talking with my special guest, Tamara Farrar. And Tamara is um, a, a grassroots activist and political consultant with uh, just a vast, I mean, decades of experience fighting, especially in the area of education and fighting for our kids. And so I'm going to introduce Tamara in just a second here. But first, I wanted to remind you guys about a couple things that are going on here at Andrew Womack Ministries in Karis Bible College. Next week, beginning October 2nd, is Andrew's annual minister's conference. And this is something that he's been doing for 40 years, and it has become an incredible event. I tell you, if you are in full-time ministry, uh, you need to be here at this event. You will get your batteries recharged, re-fired re you'll get at the, at the minister's conference. Andrew's going to be ministering along with Mike and Carrie Pickett. Uh, Pastor Bob Yandian, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff, Pastor Bob Mickles, uh, Greg Moore, Wendell Parr, and B Billy Epperhart. So uh, this is going to be a great time of refreshing. You won't want to miss. Just go on the website at awmi.net. You can register today. Also, ladies, wanted to mention to you that the annual Women's Arise uh, Conference is in November, November 2nd through the 4th, so 30 days after a minister's conference, and that's going to be a great time. Uh, Carrie Pickett, Audrey Mack, and Elizabeth Murin are going to be speaking. And uh, I don't know if you've heard any of those ladies speak or not, but they are awesome. Uh, Audrey Mack is like one of my favorite ministers anywhere. She's just a fire you know, powerhouse. I just love her. So anyway, uh, sign up for those events at awmi.net. All right. So today's guest on Truth and Liberty is uh, my new friend, Tamara Farrar. Now I've heard of Tamara uh, throughout the years here at Truth and Liberty, but it's just a, a great opportunity to have her on the show because I saw an article that she wrote in town hall last week or two weeks ago, and I thought it was just excellent. So Tamara uh, is, uh, she's so experienced. It's really amazing. She's been fighting for education and other policy initiatives on the conservative front for years and years. She's a former director of communications at Americans for Prosperity, uh, and a director of Moms for America and Freedom Works, and also uh, has been an executive director of some uh, pregnancy resource centers. One of the things she did uh, when she was in Colorado was she uh, uh, sponsored Human Trafficking Legislative Day at the Colorado State Capitol. That was before human trafficking was quite such a huge issue as it now is today. It's always been a problem, but, uh, and, and she had some really good results from that. So this is a woman that we all need to sit up and pay attention to as she knows what she's talking about. Uh, Tamara, it's just such an honor to have you on our program today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Tamara, so I, I, I'd like to know a little bit more kind of about like your, your background and your history. Uh, can you share with our viewers today, how did you get involved in all this stuff? You're, you were, as I understand it, you were just a, kind of a, a mom, you know, raising a family and you were concerned about your kids' education and sort of what happened from there? 
Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, it was very interesting. You mentioned that I was the executive director of crisis pregnancy centers, we used to call them, uh, in my 20s. And then I was asked to be a part of uh, the campaign. I ran it in my county in Michigan to stop tax-funded abortions. And it was as if God just thrust me into that arena. Um, he gave me a heart. Everything I've done has come from prayer and being in God's presence and seeking him and him just giving me a heart. I believe his heart, and I believe that's what he does for us as believers. He gives us, he we're, He moves us with compassion, um, which is the reason I was in the, in the pro-life movement in those years. I even turned down a very good lucrative position uh, and made less than half my husband. It was so compassionate as well for these unborn babies. Mm. And so, you know, then we raised our kids and I was very involved in women's ministry for about 15 years. And even during that time, God led me to reach out to the uh, Department of Human Services right there in Colorado Springs and build relationships. And we helped, I, I recruited 10 women and we helped women having to get off welfare and helping train them. And, you know, so just through the years, wanting to pour into the community, you know, one of the things I think one big mistake we make as believers, not all of us, but is that we stay inside, uh, you know, just saying this proverbially, if you will, but, you know, we wind up spending too much time inside the four walls of the church. And I think about Jesus and what is the last thing he said before he ascended to his disciples? He said, go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like, get out there. Yeah. <laughs> Go into all the world. And, you know, so we know that. And um, and so this is what he's been doing is is thrusting me out into uh, this arena. Like you said, some of these things I started doing then full time uh, roughly 10 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, now that my kids were grown. But it's been a joy and a privilege uh, to mm. get to impact our community, our state, hopefully our nation. I mean, and and frankly, there are many of us out there. I'm certainly one among many. Um, and my hope is to encourage many more. Well, you are. And, you know, I imagine when you first got started in all this, you never could probably envision uh, this career that you've had, you know, influencing the world around you. Um, and, but it's, it's one step at a time, isn't it? Right. You, you take the opportunity that God gives you. And then if you are, are a good steward with that, then more opportunities will come. And you, you actually eventually moved your family. You guys came to Colorado and you were here for a long time and you actually started a, one of the most successful charter schools in the entire state, uh, and, uh, have done many other things since then. So what word of encouragement do you have, Tamara, for um, not just moms, but, you know, anybody out there, Christians who are looking at the world around us today and seeing such horrible headlines and bizarre things like we never thought we'd see? Um, how can folks get out and make a difference? Normally, I, I save that kind of a question for the end of the show, but I just feel like asking you right now, what, what can the average person do out there who's grieved by what's happening to our culture? And they may be thinking, well, I'm not a Tamara Farrar. I, I have never started a school or run a, a, a pro-life pregnancy center. What do I do? What can I do? 
by the way, with the starting of the school, I always like to tell people, I just served coffee. It was my <laughs> husband that really made an impact on the charter school. He served as uh, you know a board member at the Classical Academy for five years. He helped set up the governance structure and most charter schools fail because they have a poor governance structure. Mm -hmm. And actually he's catapulted way ahead of me in politics. He ran for governor in 2018 in Colorado. So, but nonetheless, I think it is the simple things. I even just said, you know, serving coffee. Sometimes it's just doing that next thing that's at hand. Um, just like, you know, when we started, you know, what I'd like to do is I'd like to use the education example. Um, I know we would be mentioning this later, but I just wrote a book called Courage to Stand, Mama Bears Arising. And I'm sure you are just as impressed as I am, Richard, with the mama bears that have gotten out of their comfort zone. Uh, we know they're sacrificing things they used to do, maybe certain days at the gym, they don't go to the gym anymore or you know, other things that they have given up to stand at these school board meetings and speak up with courage, with wisdom, with insight, with information. You know, they're at home, they're researching, and they go, they sign up, and they stand up for their rights as parents to know what's happening in the classroom for transparency on curriculum and also to make their concerns known. And this is a movement, I, I call it the modern women's movement. I believe it is the latest women's movement. Uh, and that is the mama bears across this country. And I just feel so grateful for their courage their courage to stand in this hour. Um, and they just did what was at hand. Like nobody told them, hey, I'm gonna hire you to do ABC. No, they, they were moved by their concern and uh, driven by their love and care for their children. Well, folks, you're uh, watching The Truth and Liberty live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris. My guest today is Tamara Farrar. And uh, uh, if you have questions for Tamara, it could be about any of the stuff we're going to talk about today, about education, about abortion, about any kind of policy or politics, or it could just be a Bible question today. I want to encourage you to call in. We'd love to hear from you and interact with you. Uh, that's a big part of what makes this show special. So just call in 719-619-2341, and we'd love to hear from you today. We'll start taking calls after the break. Uh, so Tamara, I want to just circle back for a second. What you said was really, really important, but I want to circle back to this book that you mentioned, Mama Bears Arising, Courage to Stand, Mama Bears Arising. I absolutely love the title. I think that's awesome. Now it's an ebook, right? It's not in print yet. Where can people get a copy of it? Just go to Amazon and go to the Amazon Kindle store. Um, and just search, you know, the title with my name. And uh, yes, thank you. It's it's a short book. It's only about a hundred pages, five ninety nine. So good price. But you know, the Lord just I felt like He wanted me to put my story in print. Um, how he moved upon my heart, how I got saved, radically saved during the Jesus movement, delivered, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and just how that set the tone for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, that all happened when I was 16. Wow. Um, and just how he led me and more details on the different things that he's led me to do. Um, and hopefully it is an encouragement for others that, you know, I'm just an everyday girl, just like so many, you know, really all of us as women um, and, and men, 
you know, we live our daily lives and we do all the daily things. Um, but as we seek God for how we can make an impact, not like I said, not just in the church, but getting outside those four walls. You know, I like to tell people the Capitol building in your state, that's your capital. You pay taxes for that capital. You can go and you can host an event at that capital. Mm-hmm. And so many you know, people think, oh, I can't go there. I can't do that. City Hall, you pay for it. You know, if there's an issue going on, there's a lot of safety things you have to keep in mind. There's a lot to hosting a rally in an event. You don't want to do it without wisdom and knowledge. Um, but we can do these things. We can peacefully protest and, and take a stand for things. We can go and talk to our elected officials and our legislators. Um, and it seems intimidating, uh, but again, we have to realize, you know, that's what it means to be we the people. We the people. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, the radical leftists who are have taken over public education in America, I think maybe one thing they didn't quite bargain for was the mama bears. <laughs> and uh, when they started poking uh, that mama bear and, and uh, you know, coming after the kids uh, of this generation, uh, I don't think they knew they have bargained for the ferocity of the response that they've gotten. And uh, you know, are you seeing what I'm seeing that that m- moms, and dads, but moms all over the nation are rising up and letting their voices be heard in school boards across the nation. Uh, The the Biden administration, you know, called them domestic terrorists. They're so scared of them. Uh, But it's really just uh, grassroots, um, you know, politics and people getting involved and finally waking up and paying attention. How important is it uh, in just specifically in education, how important is it for Christians uh, Christian parents to attend school board meetings and to speak up and let their questions and their concerns be made known? It, it's indisputably critical uh, that parents take the time to do that and that they don't stop doing it, even mm-hmm. though, you know, it's, it's quote, calmed down a little bit since the fury after COVID and lockdowns and everything else. Um, we are we still have parents doing that. I'll tell you what, I went to the Scottsdale Unified School District board meeting uh, not too long ago. I had my phone ready to take video of parental um, testimony at the podium. I did not, you know, I was from behind because I wanted to, you know, protect people's identity and I didn't get permission. So I didn't, you know, show their face but i but we could hear what they were talking about one of those reels where one of the parents was complaining about the sexualized material in the classroom and she was providing evidence and details of what her child came home and showed her and talked to her about and that uh reel got about fourteen thousand views so you you're not only just there but you are taking that information back and i've loved seeing these parent groups because I've worked nationally on education now with Moms for America and then with Parents Know Best at Freedom Works, you know, I've been able to to see and connect with a lot of moms around the country. And I love seeing how they don't give up. They keep informing one another. They keep going to the school board meetings. They keep posting the information. Um, and that's that is what we need to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and I, I want to um, drive home something you said there that that the the battle is not over. In fact, it's only just beginning, really, when it comes to parent parental involvement in public schools and pushing back on this woke agenda. Yeah, people were upset, and we all saw the footage from Loudoun County, Virginia, and heard the stories out of there about a um, you know a so-called trans boy raping a girl in the bathroom and the father getting arrested for uh, going to the school board meeting and this kind of atrocities like this. Uh, but, but this is still happening all over America, isn't it? These, uh, this radical trans LGBT sexualization of our kids and all this sort of stuff, it's still going on, isn't it? Yes, it is. And we're finding out more and more about it and why it's in the school, because that's, you know, okay, here's the information. This is what happened to my child. These are the books that I saw when I went to the school, or this is the book that my son or daughter brought home. So we have those individual testimonies, but then as time goes on, we learn more about the bigger picture. And of course, I, I, I launched Moms for America's Education Initiative. Uh, they didn't have one. Of course, a lot of people didn't have one. And I said, I'd be more than happy to do this for you. So you learn a lot, um, you know, when you get all of the, as much information as you can about not only what is happening, but what's behind it. Um, and so one of the recent things, and, and I mentioned this in my town hall piece, so you'll recall it, but one of the recent things that came to light was there were some groups and people, good people, conservatives and organizations that infiltrated the teachers training, either that or they heard back from, uh, you know, possibly conservative teachers that were there um, for the two largest teachers unions. They are very much involved in the sexualization of children, by the way, not to mention powerful non-government organizations, but getting back to teachers unions just this summer, they do, you know, teacher training uh, in the summer. And this summer it was revealed uh, that they were teaching. And, you know, we, here's the thing. We already knew that they were doing this, um, but we got more details and we got confirmation that they are literally wanting to train teachers to prioritize changing society in the classroom. And they also talked about how, you know, LGBTQIA plus identities need to be affirmed in the classroom. And that cis normativity, which of course is just being born male and female, which we know is in every cell of every person's body. They have XX or XY chromosomes and you can't get away from the science of gender, or I should say sex because gender is actually a fabricated term that is completely unscientific. It's, right. it's culturally derived, it's been fabricated, right? But anyway, they are also teaching that we have to, um, you know, basically remove cis-normativity from schools. Um, they're also teach, uh, teaching, training teachers to weave gender ideology and transgender concepts, et cetera, into every class and every and every lesson as as much as they can. Now again, we already have the stories that prove that that this has been happening, but now we have more evidence of where it's coming from. And the, here's the reality: this should not be taught by a teacher in front of a chalkboard. These are conversations for families to have around the dinner table. <laughs> and so even if, and I'm not a person that, that believes we should promote 
gender ideology or identities. Okay, I don't believe we should promote them at all, frankly. Um, but we, I, I specifically do not believe they belong in the classroom. It's not the charter of schools to teach this to children. It, it, you know, the purpose of school is to train children in core academics. Now, if kids are talking about cultural issues and social issues on the playground or at lunch or whatever, you know, we're not going around and shutting down children uh, from that. But it's not the job of a teacher to take up class time on these topics. Um, and the other thing I really like to focus on, and because I believe this is the heart of Jesus, is that you know Jesus was the friend of all, right? Whether people were following him or not, he treated them with love and kindness. And his goal, of course, was to draw them to himself and to uh, follow him. Um, so I believe everything we do should be in love and kindness so that if a child is saying that they have a certain gender that's not biologically accurate, we still want to treat that child with love and kindness um, because that's what Jesus would do. So this isn't about being anti-people who have different ideas than us. Than us. Right. I believe we need to keep the focus on what is the purpose of school. And it's Absolutely. not gender ideology. <laughs> right, right. I, who is, so you mentioned that we know who's behind this. So the unions, uh, the teachers unions across America, it sounds like you're saying they are, um, they're all in on this thing. And all in. I found information on teacher training from 2015 yeah. on training on transgenderism that was created and by teachers unions. So who's behind the unions? Who's pushing this into the unions? Or is it the unions themselves? Or just have, have radical LGBT activists somehow infiltrated and taken over teaching profession? Right, teachers unions were co-opted quite a long time ago um, by far left interests. Uh, we know that they don't directly give, obviously, to far left candidates, but it's not hard to research and find that they have entities that do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so they are very much in line with this, you know, increasingly radicalized element of the far left with this agenda. We also have uh, the U.S. Department of Education specifically, as well as many uh, state level departments of education, which are virtually, you know, their local offices. Okay, that's mm -hmm. not the actual structure, but effectively they are influenced with implementing. And we know that Biden on his very first day signed an executive order protecting trans in schools. And it goes into more detail than that. But they established that agenda and they are, you know, and then you get into social emotional learning, which is very Marxist in nature, group think oriented. Um, it sounds good on paper when you say, oh, let's learn about social and emotional issues. But this, again, is not the job of the school. And it really is an indoctrination that's being paid for uh, by the U.S. Department of Education and Biden's um, education, uh, you know, agenda is being paid for there in the budget. And so we know that we have to at least have a change at the national administration level in the president's office prior to being able to influence this. Right now, honestly, there's not a big path to victory. 
Well, Tamara, um, in Colorado, for example, school boards, uh, school education curriculum is a matter of local control uh, under the law. So school boards still have a lot of influence over what gets taught. Is, am I right about that? And is that common across America? Um, local control, it, it, technically, it's under home rule, and it exists in roughly 26 states in the country. Um, and sometimes it's defined in the state's constitution, sometimes through state law. Um, and, you know, it just varies in terms of what, how it's defined and how much control uh, a local school board actually has. Having said that, uh, many districts that have been trying to implement that often get pushback from the courts. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, just as another side note, that uh, state law would trump local policy. So if there's already a state law that's in place, um, it would overrule, it would have to dictate to what kinds of policies that school board can actually pass, if that makes sense. So Kansas is the, one of the best examples I know of, and I'm good friends with one of the school board members there, and I'm very familiar what she's been able to do as one of the school board members in majority in the majority in this particular district in Kansas. They have home rule, and they have actually exercised their right. They have eliminated social justice topics and worksheets, and you know, because when you say curriculum, a lot of times they like to parse words in in districts. Uh, curriculum is anything that teacher says to those kids. Frankly, um, it's if you're teaching the children something, it's it's curriculum. Right, they like to try to get around that, but they were be able to remove that. They were able to remove all of the non-patriotic, you know, the the pride flags, etc., on the walls in the classrooms as well. And they're working on other elements too. Um, it's often we see a lot of intimidation among new conservative school board members, and they tend to cave. Um, so that's another big issue we're facing. So even though you've got a conservative majority, it doesn't mean you're going to, and even home rule doesn't mean you're going to have a school district that actually takes action and helps remove some of these highly social pop culture elements from classrooms. Right. Well, right here where we are in Woodland Park, Colorado, the, the school board approved the use of uh, standards for social studies called American Birthright. And uh, it created quite the stir, quite the controversy. The, the leftists and the teachers union called out a national news organization to film one of the board meetings, making all sorts of allegations against them, uh, that this was a racist program, that it was white supremacy. All of that had no foundation in fact, but that of course doesn't stop them. But yeah, the school board members, these moms and dads that sign up to represent you on school boards, they need your support because they are out there on the front line facing down uh, these leftists and these. And the, and the one thing leftists know how to do is they know how to intimidate. They raise their voices. They make accusations. They, of course, the news media is in their pockets, so they leverage that against you. So we need to be courageous, don't we, Tamara? And we need to support our candidate, our people once they get in office. Is that do you agree with that? We do. We really do. We need to come around them, even if you want to form an ad hoc parent group uh, that, you know, can meet with conservative school board members. It does not have to be an official meeting and maybe just meet with them one on one. You know, you've got 
uh, open meetings laws and that kind of thing in terms of when they can discuss and how much they can discuss when there's a certain number of them together outside of right. the board meeting setting. Um, so there's rules that, you know, parents need to be mindful of, but, uh, you know, meet with them individually, three to five. I like to tell parents, do things in three to five if you can. And I, I just don't recommend that a parent who has wonderful, even wonderful evidence, I mean, it's terrible evidence, but, you know, they've done a wonderful job gathering evidence about issues in the classroom. Don't, I just want to urge you, I just want to be this emphatic. Don't go talk to a principal by yourself. Don't go talk to one school board member by yourself. Um, there is strength in numbers. Uh, having lobbied the state legislature there in Colorado for several years, I know that elected officials care about what their constituents think. They do kind of a math in their head saying, okay, if one person met with me, that really means X number of people that are my constituents that might be concerned about this because they know very few people actually will come and talk to them. So yeah. if you go with five people, I mean, that can be an overwhelming show of force. Right. Always be kind, always be gracious, um, but never back down on what you have to share. Well, uh, folks, this is the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. My guest today is Tamara Farrar. We're coming up now on a break here in about 30 seconds, but I wanted to remind you guys to call in with your questions. Uh, we're going to be talking about this subject of public education, what the situation is really and truly on the ground, and what we can do about it when we get back from the break. I also wanted to mention that if you're in need of prayer today, uh, please call in to Andrew's Prayer Line. It's uh, staffed 24-7, 365 with Word of God trained spirit-filled prayer ministers who are standing by to agree with you. And that number is 719-635-1111. All right, well, we're up against a break now. We'll be back after these uh, commercials in about 90 seconds. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Well, welcome back to the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris, and I'm, my guest today is Tamara Farrar, an activist and leader uh, in the conservative movement, particularly in the subject of education and um, uh, the, the pro-life movement as well. But Tamara, I want to come back to this article that you wrote that was in uh, Town Hall a couple of weeks ago. It was titled, Teachers Unions Are Destroying Education. Um, and I'd like for you to kind of share with our viewers a little bit more about what the 
the article was about. Um, it used to be in America that teachers were somewhat, public school teachers were somewhat of revered people, right? Uh, they sacrificed to, to educate our children and you know they faithfully serve without much recognition. Uh, but, but it seems like times have changed that teachers, many teachers, now I'm painting with a broad brush here, don't, don't get mad at all teachers, but the unions and the education establishment is not what you think it is, right? Their agenda has shifted, it looks like, from uh, proper, balanced, uh, you know, sound education to more of leftist, Marxist, LGBT indoctrination. Am I right or wrong on that? Absolutely. We talked about it briefly in the last segment, but you know, we've got teachers unions doing their trainings and, you know, saying things, you know, training teachers that the classroom should be used to change society um, and, and featuring sessions on LGBTQIA inclusion. Um, one thing I, I, want, I want to say that I think is a huge um, issue with all this going on regarding gender in the classroom that is being promoted by unions when it's not their job to do so. And that is that by pushing this on teachers and by teachers, you know, asking kids for their pronouns, um, asking kids if they want to go by a different name, uh, encouraging children who want to to go and visit the gender closet, the clothing closet that some of these classrooms have, so they can go in and dress up like a boy, even if they're really truly a girl, scientifically, etc. And you've got what I, you know, I think all of us would consider to be the power of suggestion, mm. right? A fifth, a five-year-old child going into kindergarten does not have any have this on their mind unless they were somehow already influenced on social media. Um, they just want to go and you know they're supposed to be learning their ABCs, uh, beginning to learn to read, playing in the playground with their new friends, and so uh, as the kids are going through you know each year in school now. Uh, they are being introduced. This is why everyone calls it indoctrination, not education, uh, because these ideas and concepts are being foisted upon children, also through the teachers' unions and lessons that, and and you know, frankly, many things that they provide to the teachers to use around gender ideology. For example, these gender plans. Uh, there are multiple pages, and they will encourage teachers to fill that information out on very on the students uh, that are interested in quote changing their gender identity. And so, not only is it not the job of schools, but it's it is brainwashing children because you're giving them ideas that they wouldn't have otherwise considered. And the fact is, teachers are likely the second most influential adult in a child's life. How many parents say to their kids before they leave for the day, listen to your teacher. So if you've got your mom and your dad telling you to listen to the teacher, and I don't know that all the moms and dads are doing that as much anymore, but historically, teachers have been a huge influence. And so to me, this is major manipulation um, of children. And, and, and if I may, I'll go beyond the teachers unions. Mm -hmm. There's uh, even historical, incidences that we can borrow from as we look at what's happening currently in American classrooms. Uh, if we go back to Hungary, I addressed this in, a, in, a, in an earlier town hall uh, um, opinion piece that I wrote, and that is that the Hungarian, and this was in the early 1900s, 
the Hungarian director of education for the nation, he basically intentionally wanted children to be sexualized. They had studies and they had knowledge that if you could sexualize children, you could manipulate and control children on into adulthood. And when you think about that from a psychiatric or a psychological standpoint, um, you know, that is a very sensitive situation for kids. For example, many people that do change, you know, want to identify as a different gender were, were molested or abused in childhood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We know there's a connection uh, to sexuality and control. And so this is, these things are, you know, they're not to be underestimated and it makes it that much scarier. And it causes many of us just to say, please take your children out of these public schools uh, if, if you can at all. If, if you have no other choice, at least talk to them every day, every day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about that, Tamara. Can we, what options are available to parents who uh, have kids in public schools? I, we say it all the time here on Truth and Liberty, at least I do, is that if you're a Christian, um, you cannot afford to leave your kids in public school. You need to get them out. There are options available. Um, can you comment on that uh, for our viewers? Absolutely. You know, uh, my husband and I, we, I mentioned, we discussed that we helped start the Classical Academy Charter School uh, in Colorado Springs. Our kids went to that school all through um, actually elementary and junior high, most of junior high for our daughter. And then we brought her home because we felt like God wanted us uh, to homeschool her, not because the school was bad, but she was having learning challenges. So, but, you know, nonetheless, we made a decision to take her out of a of a wonderful school. Why? Because it was going to be best for her. And and then our son, you know, he went on to Pine Creek High School because he was a football player. Um, and within the first semester, I felt like the Lord was leading me to talk to him. And at Christmas, I said, what would you think about doing homeschooling? Um, and he said, yes. Like he didn't even hesitate. And I wanted to ask the question, you know, parents out there who have older children, you know, we learn as they get older, if we respect them, even if we have a really strong opinion, things usually go better <laughs> uh, for a big question, you know, for a big issue. So, you know, I decided to ask him and not just tell him. Um, and so that this was back in 2011. I mean, people were not doing online high school, but we found an online high school that was used for actors and athletes, um, huh. you know, for decades. So it was straight up basic academics. Nothing, it wasn't Christian. But now you have so many options. I mean, Hillsdale, their material is free. And they have, and I don't know if their online school is, but... And you know that's not necessarily Christian, but it's very solid when it comes to academics, and also you know the country understanding civics. Um, and you know I just would like to encourage, if I could, um, people because you know sometimes you you can feel like you're alone if you're a parent in your views, or you know maybe some other moms and dads in the school around you are, you know, they're more cagey about saying anything. They don't want to embarrass their child. They, you know, they want to go along to get along. And I want to you know, just encourage uh, our listeners, 
or viewers with some great data that we have now. Um, and that is Fox News survey found that 57% of voters think there's too much focus on sexual orientation in schools. And that is across the political spectrum. So think about that. That is over 50%. And they also believe there needs to be more emphasis. These are voters across the spectrum. 50 to 54% want more emphasis on reading and writing. And boy, we need that. And, you know, so a lot of people are not happy. Uh, 36%, there are only 36% of Americans that are satisfied with public education. So, you know, maybe other friends aren't saying much or they're holding back, but that doesn't mean they don't agree with you. Um, and so you can feel like, frankly, you are in the majority. Um, and then as far as it goes, you know, 90% of kids used to be in public education. Now it's down to about 80. It might have even gone down from there in the last year. Um, and that is parents taking their kids out of these K through 12 public schools. Thank God they are. Um, but we need to have more, uh, but we also won't probably ever get much lower. And that's just because of the demands upon parents to working, you know, parent families or single parent families that are working who just don't feel that they can do it. And so we do have to have a path for them as well to take care of their kids and coach their kids and help their kids um, at home as much as they can. And so, you know, but if you can take them out and even if you do have two parents that are, you know, working, you can do co-ops now, you can do a micro school. Um, you don't have to sit down eight hours a day at the kitchen table to homeschool. And many people have sort of that image in their mind. They can share with other parents and then use something like a Hillsdale or many other wonderful, even Christian curriculum that are out there that are online now. There's multiple options and you let these teachers teach and then you just have conversations and discussions and that you're there to answer questions. So it's not quite as hard as parents think. Where do, so we're gonna take some questions here, but one, uh, one more for you, Tamara, and that is, uh, I, I'm um, a parent out there and I've never homeschooled, but I can't let my kids stay in public school anymore. Where do I go to get more information so I can figure out what's right for my, my child? Absolutely, I mean, frankly, I would say, I would Google homeschool curriculum and or online homeschooling. And you will have so many options there for you. I mentioned Hillsdale. Definitely check that one out. Hillsdale College has created this material. And there are so many more, and you just need to vet them and make sure they're in line uh, with your belief system, or at least not against it, and that they have a good, solid civics. That's the other thing. 70% um, of Americans uh, believe there's not enough civics education. Right. And we're seeing by what we're seeing in Washington and in our state, you know, our state capitals. So we really want to make sure our kids understand the Constitution. Uh, so sorry to just send you to Google, but. Well, I remember when 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 we first started homeschooling, um, our, our kids were actually, and I th I've said this before on the show, so our viewers probably know this, but our our kids uh, were in a Christian school, and uh, they came home with evolution science material, 
and with anti-American social studies stuff. And I was going, what is this? We're not paying, you know, so many thousand dollars a month for this. And I went in and spoke to one of the, the teachers, the science teacher, and, and his response, I'll never forget it, was he's, I said, have you, have you looked for Christian material? Well, we did for a little bit. We couldn't find anything that was really academically up to our standards. And I said to him, you didn't look very hard. Um, and, and we left, pulled him out, went to a homeschooling convention in our home state at the time. And I'm telling you, it was a huge conference center uh, room that had hundreds and hundreds of booths of exhibitors of curriculum and extracurricular activity and all these activities for kids. I was blown away. I was stunned. I was like, this is too much. I can't even take it all in. Um, and we were intimidated by like, oh, how do we know what to do? But you know, it's just one step at a time it, with prayer, seeking the Lord and talking to friends and neighbor or people at church or whatever. Find something in your community. If it doesn't work, you can always change. And the, the point is that God will help you and you'll get it. You'll, you'll find what's best for your children. And, and the studies show that homeschoolers overall perform far better than uh, academically than kids in public school. Uh, the whole thing about them not being socially adjusted is a myth. It's not true. You'll find, I promise you, that kids in homeschooling programs or at least responsible programs are more socially adjusted. They're more polite. They're more respectful of authority. They're, they become leaders. They're more confident. I tell you, it's, it's so much better. So guys, check out your resources. Well, Tamara, I have to get off my soapbox now and start taking some questions. That was, <laughs> that was uh, awesome. People are calling in. They want they want to ask you some stuff. So, let's go to uh, our first caller. Here is from is Cooper from the state of Ohio. He's got an interesting question. Uh, so, Cooper, you are on the air. Uh, what do you What is your question today, sir? Hi, Richard. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just have a question. I know this is off topic, but it's uh, kind of a political question. Uh, there's been a lot of like rumblings about social media about this October fourth thing. And I just want to know about like a Christian perspective about that. And and uh, so my notes on my screen say it's about an emergency alert on October 4th. Yeah, yes, sir. OK. All right. So, um, Tamara, have you heard about that? I have. Yeah. OK. Would you like to comment first on it? I, I don't feel that I have deeply researched it. Um, you know, I think it was funny. One thing I read that, you know, a woman said, we're just going to have our my fair. I'm going to have my Faraday bags and put my laptop in there and my phone in there, you know, so whatever. Like if if there's a, a surge, if you will, in EMPs, that could be dangerous. Um, I it, it's really hard to say. I think all of us know that there are things like this that come along and they gain a momentum because people share and then they reshare and then, you know, and so whether or not it's happening, I can't confirm. That's for okay. sure. Yeah, so I think the, uh, the, I don't wanna call it hysteria, but I think people are so concerned now about whether our government can be trusted that when something like this comes along, alarm bells start going off and people are like, well, maybe they're planning some sort of, you know, major um, event uh, to disable us and whatever. Um, and so Cooper, I, I would say, you know, I haven't researched it either. So I'm not qualified to comment except to say that testing of the emergency broadcast system is a normal thing that happens uh, all the time and, and is even, I think, required by regulations and 
stuff like this. So in this one, it looks like they're testing social media and other uh, digital forms of media, not just traditional TV and radio like they used to do. You, you might remember they used to have this uh, every every Saturday you'd see on TV. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system, and then you know. Uh, so it's it's not unusual, and perhaps it's a, a government function where they're wanting to make sure that everything is kosher. I would say this: we are facing unpre some unprecedented threats from China and even North Korea with its belligerence. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is motivated by um, you know people, good good-hearted, responsible members of our government wanting to make sure that America is as prepared as it can be. That's what I think personally, so I don't think there's anything to be concerned about. Um, if it's some kind of major thing where they're gonna disable us and whatever, I don't know what I would do about it anyway, so <laughs> I, d I don't know what to say beyond that. So I personally am not worried about it, and that's just my opinion. I hope I don't come back to eat those words. Thanks for calling in though, Cooper. I hope that's reassuring for you. Next, I'd like to go to Frank from Missouri. Uh, Frank, thanks for calling in today. What's your question? Well, I just have a real simple question. Thank you for having And I heard, heard that, and, and that was a brilliant answer, uh, uh, Dr. Harris. And, and I just want to share that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against us in judgment we shall condemn, for this is the heritage of the servant of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So uh, we just need to put the Word of God on, on, on stuff like that, too, Amen. along with the brilliant answers that, that you have there. Uh, I just want to ask a simple question about, uh, do you think that the public school can be saved? Yeah. Okay. So, Tamara, what do you think? Can public schools be saved? If we have the right changes made, yes, they can be saved. Uh, so, for example, if we have an administration uh, that believes in the traditional role of schools to be focused on academic excellence um, and to remove gender ideology from the classroom in terms of it coming from teachers, and coming from you know the administration of schools and have policies along those lines, whether through local control or parental rights laws or laws that, um, you know, so we've got the administration element that's at the federal level, because that influences the US Board of Education, but then we've got the local level. And, you know, many states are attempting to pass these laws. Uh, the challenge we often have once those laws are passed is they, they get uh, challenged in court. Uh, so, for example, there was a school district in California just within the last week or so, it was in the news, uh, that they passed a policy that, yes, you do have to tell parents if their child tells the teacher they would like to go by a different pronoun and name. Well, we all think that that is just so obvious. Why do we need a policy or a law? But obviously we do. Well, the judge, the low, a judge stepped in uh, because someone took action, uh, legal action, and said they had to suspend that policy at the school board level. And now there's a law in the state of California, which we know is one of the most liberal states in the country. Um, and it's a trifecta, so they can pass these horrible laws. Um, but anyway, my point is that there's also a law that says, uh, it's not passed yet, but it's, being, it's a, in bill form at this point, um, that would allow kids at 12 whose parents do not agree with their gender or affirm it uh, to be removed from the home and put into a group home. Um, and, you know, just to throw out one other thing that could take us down a completely different path that we 
don't necessarily need to go down, but it's important to know that there are individuals and organizations that are now ferreting out uh, the role of sex trafficking with the kids in schools and how something some of these things become a back doorway to traffic kids. Mm-hmm. So again, that's another topic altogether. So things are in a horrible state, but I think if um, if we continue to work hard to elect a Republican, if we hopefully some states have already corrected some things around potential fraud, um, some key states and the battles are still raging in others. So, you know, I can't say with total assurance that we could take back our schools, um, but the possibility is there. And some schools are better than others based on the politics in the state. We know that to be true. Yeah. Well, and and um, one thing that seems to me, uh, Tamara, tell me what you think about this on that subject is, um, you know, there's an old saying that money talks, right? And um, somehow we've got to create a competitive environment for schools in this country. And uh, one of them is homeschooling, which we've already talked about, which is important. Here in Colorado, the liberals are now enacting clever schemes to even get their hands on homeschooling. But what about, what about um, now, this is a term that uh, there's a lot of different methods involved, but voucher systems where public education money can be diverted to non-public schools uh, to like a parent can say, I want my tuition money to go to this school for my kid or to this program or whatever. Um, aren't th- are those important too? And I think there's been, if there's been progress made in that, can you comment on that too? Yes, I, I know that there's just top organizations in the country, heritage, et cetera that continue to work um, in in fighting for, and even helping craft uh, model legislation. Um, There's a number of conservative organizations that work on that um, for more comprehensive money follow the child legislation. So, I mean, Arizona right now is the best example of that. Governor Ducey, you know, before he left, was termed out and left office, um, he signed that into law. They already had um, some possibilities for that available in Arizona, but now it's the most comprehensive in the country where the money can follow the child. And they can also use some of that money if they've chosen to homeschool because you get the money. Hmm. And so you have a, you don't just have to have it go directly to another school. It can also be put toward homeschooling or you know, and that includes even getting your child from point A to point B during the day related to school. So there will always be critics and people that say, well, what about this? And isn't this might be an issue, but it is the most comprehensive in the country. And it's it's a great model. Colorado actually has excellent um, laws related to charter schools. Um, and so, you know, we've got quite a number of charter schools, very good charter schools. But in some instances, see, sometimes it depends on who's leading that and what they're getting away with. We've seen uh, instances in the Denver metro area of some of this gender ideology coming in the back door. So leadership has a lot to do with it, too. Um, and then also school boards exercising that local control and having the courage um, I'll digress for one moment and say another issue often becomes these superintendents. They position themselves as the leader of the schools, and they're not. They work for the board. Um, but George Soros and other people like him uh, run these associations that 
train and support, you know, for example, superintendents of schools. Uh, so they're being coached on how to position themselves in the district. So can we fix that? Yes, we can. Those things can be dealt with, with a courageous majority on a board. Mm. Um, but anyway, back to school choice. Um, I'm, I think it's wonderful that we're seeing more states adopting that. And again, they tend to be the conservative states. Well, so so Tamara, I want to get even a little more fundamental on this subject. Um, for for years and years in America, we've we've sort of lived in this bubble of thinking that it was safe to send our kids to public school. That that's what you do, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, about 50 years ago, though, they took prayer out of public schools, and then they took the Bible out, and then they took the Ten Commandments out. And now we're, we're sitting here looking at radical, uh, atheistic, uh, secular, humanist, Marxist, LGBT activist coalition, abortionist coalitions, all bent on capturing the hearts and minds of our children. And I'm wondering if fundamentally uh, the, the root of the problem lies with the church and the fact that, that we have abandoned our responsibility to disciple the youth of this nation. Do you think there's something to that fact that we have failed to realize that it's the church's responsibility to educate kids, the church and the family? I think that's true, but they ha we, we have to educate on these items. But I also believe like we're seeing with the mama bear movement and, and the dads getting involved. We have to be involved. We have to model for our kids. We can't just teach them the information. We do need to do that, as you've said, it's very important. Um, but if, if their only social circle is at church, then they won't, you know, sand the floor and paint the fence, you know, like in Karate Kid. You have to actually try these things out and get the muscle memory of having the courage to engage in that system. And so, again, that is why I like seeing what parents are doing. They are getting engaged. They are holding their school board members accountable and their school districts. They're calling out what's happening in the classrooms. And all I want to say to them is take it to the media too. We have to be, you know, and that's one thing I help people do through American strategies, but we have to have a strategy about our approach, a strategic approach to how we do these things. Um, as I've mentioned, going with others, you know, doing, uh, going to your local TV station, I've done so much media through the years and I've done media for candidates and I've done media for organizations, et cetera. And they're always looking for stories. I mean, mm -hmm. they want to know, especially around what's happening in education. And it's just a matter of helping people do that and know how to do that. Uh, so again, yes, the church is part of it, but the church is just where we gather and strengthen each other and worship God together. And then from there, frankly, we should be out in the community. Well, Pretty Tamara, much. thank you. We're, we've got about um, 40 seconds before our break. So um, I wanted to just remind our viewers that uh, this is the Truth and Liberty Live Calling Show. My guest is Tamara Farrar, uh, an activist and leader on the, in conservative causes, uh, a media strategist, um, a published author. Uh, she wrote an article recently in Town Hall uh, uh, titled, uh, Teachers Unions Are Destroying Education. And we've been talking about that to on today's program. If you'd like to ask 
ask Tamara a question or myself on uh, this subject or any other subject, including any Bible topic, please feel free to call in the number 719-619-2341. We're going to take a break of about 90 seconds here, and then we'll be right back with Tamara Farrar to take your questions. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. We are the antidote for what's happening in this world. But you need to lift up your eyes. You need to see again. You need to see beyond the physical. And I believe that the greatest days of the church are ahead. God has a word for you. God has a plan for you. And God is raising up an army that knows how to fight the right fight the right way. Get your expectancy up because you're going to walk away from here today with questions answered in your life. And they said, it's all over, isn't it, Pastor Bob? I said, no. You do the right thing. Keep your life clean. Keep believing God. <laughs> you just, you're just warming up for the finals. Hallelujah. God's not finished yet. <laughs> Okay, we're back here on Truth and Liberty, and uh, my guest today is Tamara Farrar, and uh, we were just chatting on the break here. I don't think Tamara was aware, but I saw a headline over the weekend that Governor Newsom in California said he was going to veto that bill about taking uh, kids out of the home if the parents don't, quote, unquote, affirm their gender. Uh, Tamara, what are your thoughts about that, if it's true? Thank you for that update. I really appreciate that. Uh, that. Yeah, like you said, it must have just happened and I missed that. Um, but it's very hard not to see that as a political move. Um, they, you know, President Biden is sending him to the next Republican debate. I mean, you know, so we don't know what's up with all of this. We know he's politically ambitious. We know he's known to be radical, far, far left. Um, I, I just think he's trying to curry a little bit of favor more down the middle. So that would be my guess. Yeah, absolutely. He's reading the he's probably reading the political tea leaves. Gavin Newsom would probably like it if every kid was under state control. Um, but I, I don't know. That was that might not be fair. But um, w whatever his motivations are, at least it's a, a temporary win for us. And um, uh, so that's yeah. good. That, uh, that's good news. Um, so so Tamara, um, we've got some more callers on the line here. But first, I wanted to ask you before we get much further here. So all of this indoctrination, woke ideology, it's not just LBG, LGBTQ+, by the way, it's also Marxism and anti-American stuff uh, trying to, uh, trying to uh, basically destroy the foundations of our country. Are, are you familiar with that movement as well? Absolutely. And as I mentioned, uh, this gentleman that used to be the head of schools in Hungary, uh, employing a Marxism. Um, we have a, a Parents Defending Education, which is one of the really great organizations. Many wonderful organizations have popped up. And, you know, she's been 
uh, the leader there has been ferreting out uh, the proof of China um, infiltrating classrooms with certain material and information. And so that, you know, that door is open to our classrooms. And then I mentioned social and emotional learning. And I did a recent article, another one of my recent articles in town hall was on really uh, helping people understand what is social emotional learning, uh, because it sounds good on paper and, and what's happening. What are they doing to the children through using that, uh, you know, approach? And I've seen lessons around that that indicate total intimidation tactics where kids would would be put into a situation where where they would be highly embarrassed to answer a public question uh, so they're creating shame as a motivational factor for compliance uh, that sounds pretty marxist to me yeah absolutely. um you know so and groupthink is very marxist as we know and i think we already see that that that's been happening over the last 10 to 20 years. Kids are less apt to use the American way of freedom of speech where you question, and even what just traditional Western civilization education, uh, liberal education in the best sense, where you are taught to debate, you are taught to challenge the hypothesis, and that that is a good thing. You are not ostracized for asking questions and challenging things, but that is all changing in public schools, and we know that is a Marxist agenda. Wow, social-emotional learning. It sounds like they're trying to teach kids to be <clears throat> more empathetic, but in reality, it's uh, Marxist mind control. Is that basically what you're saying? I would say it is from what I've studied, yes. Wow, well, uh, let's go to another caller here, Tamara. Um, I'd like to go to Sandy from uh, the great state, and yes, it is a great state of California. What's your question today, Sandy? Hi there. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I was, I was just wondering, have you guys heard of that new law they're trying to pass in Colorado, the abortion reversal? Uh, they want to ban women from being able to um, have an abortion reversal when they take that pill? Uh, yes, I have heard of that. Tamara, have you heard about it? I am familiar with that pill, and I, I know... Um, a particular woman that has has somewhat of a ministry where she is able to connect with women that have taken the abortion pill and get them the reversal pill. So I do know it can be effective, as you guys know probably as well, um, when it's taken within a certain frame time. So it's just one more picture of evil and destroying life to not allow someone to be able to make that beautiful choice um, if someone is able to talk with them after they've you know, taken this abortifacient and to help them reverse that. I mean, we know that most people that have abortions, they have no idea what they're doing, especially young people. This won't hurt, there's nothing to this, it's just a blob, even today. Um, many are still being duped with that. And so when, when someone can get to them and help them understand, they should have the right and the freedom to either not get that abortion or to reverse it if they took the pill. Yeah, isn't that something? So I think the, uh, the, the law that I believe it was passed, Sandy, 
if it wasn't, it will be in this next session of the Colorado legislature. Like California, we have a trifecta here with an extremely leftist governor, a hard left legislature. Um, and uh, I think the measure would say that uh, pregnancy resource centers or crisis pregnancy centers, whatever we want to call them, are not allowed to um, provide women with the, the um, abortion uh, reversal pill, okay? And, and uh, it's, it's basically, and in, I think what it is, is it, it's, a, it's a medication that injects a hormone into the woman's body to stop the effects of the first hormone, which is the abortion pill. Um, and so it's, uh, can, if taken within a certain window of time, um, it is effective to allow the woman to keep the baby. Now, these are the people that say that they're all for women's, women's choice, right? It's all about freedom of the woman, women's health care. The woman ought to have the power to decide her own health care. And yet here they are depriving women of access to true health care, something that actually promotes life. It's like the most hypocritical thing I, I've ever seen. It's absolutely wicked and ungodly. And uh, we just need to pray that this thing fail and somehow uh, you know, look for creative strategies around it. But sadly, Sandy, that is, um, you know, this abortion lobby, uh, one of the things that's becoming very clear, really interesting, right? I'm just gonna take a little, a little detour here, Tamara and Sandy, for just a second. The abortion lobby, um, they are all, and this is no pun intended, they're all in bed with the LGBT lobby. They all work together. Abortion and LGBT rights are of, of the same spirit uh, spiritually. They're, they're really all about death and they're really all about rebellion against God and against his created order. Um, wanting to kill that life in the womb is a rebellion against God's order. Uh, wanting to practice homosexuality, change one's gender, all of this kind of stuff, living in sin, it's all of the same, same thing, and it's straight out of the pit of hell, and that's my opinion on it. <laughs> but uh, Sandy, thank you for your question. I'm sorry, Tamara, did you want to make any further comment on that? I sort of took that over. Oh, I apologize. Phenomenal. And, you know, if I may, I'll just take a moment to tell a personal story. Um, you know, we knew that I couldn't have children when we got married. And so for six years, you know, we prayed and, and God, first of all, gave me such a peace about it. I And I always celebrated with my friends who were pregnant and, you know, he just really touched me with a, a grace to me during that time. Um, and so our, our, we adopted our son and I mean, you know, we prayed and then someone actually knew a, a birth mom that was interested in placing her child for adoption. So that was a beautiful story. And then uh, three and a half years later, we went to a conference on homeschooling actually, um, and got in the car and we were like, let's pray for another child, you know? And so my husband and I came into agreement and, and I said, and then at the end, I just came over me and I just said, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a girl to run out of an abortion clinic right now in Jesus name. And I looked over at my husband and I was like, I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> so that was a Saturday. And do you know that on Monday, the same woman that helped us connect with our, David's birth mother said, well, would you like another baby? She called mm. me on the phone Monday afternoon. We had not talked to her. It was Christmas cards only kind of thing. 
And I said, well, yes. And so I got on the phone with her, the birth, you know, Allie's birth mom. And I said, you know, I am praying for God's will for your baby. Well, she just broke down and cried because she knew I was trying to get her baby. You know, I was trusting God. And she started crying and she told me her story. She goes, my dad, or I shouldn't say that on air, but someone in her family, you know, was pressuring her to have an abortion and put the money in her pocket. You will have an abortion. So she went to the clinic. She went into the different stages of it. She got into the counseling session and she got up and she ran out. Wow. That's amazing. And I had not told her the story. And I said, well, what day was that? And she said, last Saturday. Oh my God. So she's in Mississippi and that's our daughter. She's 30. She's an amazing, beautiful woman. And you know, I just want to encourage people who know people who have an unplanned pregnancy. There are two, one to two million people waiting to adopt in this country, and there are not enough babies. And you know, we can take advantage of the fact that it's not taboo to be pregnant and unmarried. Okay, mm. we, we, may, we may not like that that is a societal thing now, but we can we can uh, actually redeem that by encouraging people to carry their baby to term. There are so many people waiting to adopt. And I know we are grateful. We are parents because of adoption. Wow. Uh, so it is a beautiful choice. That's an awesome testimony. Thank you so much for sharing that, uh, Tamara. That's just really incredible. Thank God for his goodness and mercy. <laughs> uh, yes. Well. Sandy, thank you for calling in. We really appreciate your question today. Let's pray also all of us who are on the show today. Let's pray against this uh, law in Colorado. Um, and uh, let's pray for uh, wisdom in our, in our leaders here and across the nation. God's wisdom, not man's wisdom. Um, next, uh, we have another caller on the line. I'd like to go to Lori, who is uh, from Colorado, Truth and Liberty subscriber and a Karis Bible College graduate. Lori, thank you for calling in today. Oh, thank you, Richard. I uh, appreciate you taking my call this afternoon. Uh, my my question, is, and we are, my husband and I are totally honored to be associated with uh, Karis, Andrew Womack Ministries, and Truth and Liberty. Um, you guys are just, you offer such a wealth of information and just keep pouring into us. And for that, I got to just say a huge thank you to you, to Andrew, and everybody there. So, um, well, thank you. My question, my question is uh, regarding prayer before meetings, uh, public meetings in particular. Um, I offered a prayer at a. Um, I'm going to keep this very generic, uh, just uh, so that if anybody's listening, uh, but it was before a uh, city board commission type meeting, and uh, it was after the meeting was called to order. And uh, two weeks ago, I did offer a prayer uh, in the name of Jesus for the victims of 9-11 and then prayed a blessing upon our time together there that evening and then had a moment of silence following. Um, my question is, is do we have to allow other religions, uh, um, other people to be able to offer prayer at a public meeting, or is there something in the precedent that was when uh, Lemon was overturned that it can be the same person all the time? Um, I was told that it has to be mixed up, and I'm I'm just gathering more information and knowing how to proceed. Mm. Yeah, good question. Well, uh, Tamara, do you have any thoughts on this issue? Um, 
you know, I'm not aware of a law that applies to that and that that, that requires uh, that prayers be given by uh, people, you know, representing the different, let's say, just even just say major religions in the country. Um, and, you know, so if someone is saying that that has to be the case, it's probably just more a matter of opinion of that person who has the authority to determine that for that group. Um, or maybe they don't have the authority and they're just saying it. Or maybe it's a policy that uh, was rendered. That could be something if you haven't looked into. Um, I don't know if you were at city council or at a county commissioner meeting, but uh, they would have their own separate policies uh, apart from law. And possibly they did vote on that. So, But you could certainly look that up or request to see it if that's the case. Um, and then if it is, you know, I guess technically, uh, people could interpret that as First Amendment rights, that, you know, we don't, you know, discriminate based on someone's religious beliefs. So it's, it would be it would probably be hard to fight against it anyway. Um, but you certainly could make your thoughts known. Yeah. Well, Lori, um, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure of, of the factual context of your question, uh, but um, I think that public prayer in a in an official proceeding like that what you're what you're talking about is when they in most um, city council meetings and county commissioners and stuff like that school boards a, a lot of times at the end of the meeting or maybe in the middle they'll have a, a period of public comment where people can come forward and they can they can comment now different bodies will have uh, will structure that in different ways like they may say okay we're going to allow comment on um, on bill number uh, a-246 or something like that or they may just have an open uh, comment time period like uh, our local city council does and so I think it just depends on the on the circumstances and the question is can you pray when you get up and you in this public comment time can you just pray well I think you probably can um, and if the if the if the body says no you can't do that prayers off limits here uh, you could probably have some kind of a challenge for that but beyond that I'm there might be reasonable restrictions that could be imposed like um, no we're here to receive comment not prayer and we already have a, a chaplain that leads us in prayer or maybe there's uh, other um, accommodations that the body can make for that but I think there are some First Amendment uh, free exercise issues there. Beyond that, I'm not the expert and I would need to look that up. That whole area is changing, right? So um, now the, the Congress of the United States has had prayer to open its session since uh, the beginning of our republic and the Supreme Court has never had the nerve to strike that down. They always said, well, that's a tradition that's not really endorsing religion uh, and yet they strike down everybody else's prayer. But the Supreme Court is now coming around and they're holding that yes, um, uh, um, fr uh, free exercise clause of the First Amendment means you can do things like pray on the 50-yard line even if you're a football coach. You can have a cross in a cemetery even though it's public land uh, and you can do these other things and there's numerous uh, uh, numerous decisions that are coming down and Lemon versus Kurtzman has been overruled. So I think you've got a lot of freedom there, but to get too specific, I don't feel like I'm qualified to do, but I would refer you to some of the folks who do this uh, all the time for a living, like uh, Liberty Council and Matt Staver and Alliance Defending Freedom and uh, First Liberty Institute with Kelly Shackelford, Pacific Justice Institute. There's so many great lawyers out there now doing this work. So check out any of those websites and they've got resources there that can probably 
probably help you with that. And uh, maybe one of these days we'll get one of them back on the show and you can ask them personally. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for your question. Okay, well, next I wanna go to uh, AJ, who's a Truth and Liberty subscriber. Uh, AJ, also from Colorado. What's your question today, AJ, for Tamara Farrar? I was wondering, if our kids are in public schools, why should we get involved in the public schools? Oh, if your kids aren't in public schools. You know, I think it is a personal decision, um, definitely, for each family to make, each individual to make. I have been in awe of, uh, for example, I'm working with a candidate right now in the state of Washington, so I'm in awe of the fact that her kids are currently in a private school, and she is running for school board. Um, and she's a strong believer, and she's doing that because she believes God wants her to do that, and, and that it's a way to serve her community and help the families and the children in her community. Uh, so not everybody's gonna feel that way or be inclined, um, but again, I think when we go back to seeing this as, you know, reaching into our communities and influencing outside of the walls of the church, going into every man's world, if you will. I went to Oral Roberts University, and so that was Oral's vision. And, you know, my husband and I captured that immediately. And so it's influenced our entire lives. And, mm. um, and so I think this is something, you know, but that doesn't mean everybody has to do that, run for school board. But again, I would encourage people to consider it um, if it's something they're willing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing, uh, AJ, I would point out to you and all our viewers is um, in a local community, your tax dollars go to support the schools. Okay, you're, here in Colorado, we pay property taxes for it. You may pay sales taxes in some jurisdictions, and that does not depend upon whether you have kids in the school, right? So as a citizen of your community, you have both the right and the responsibility to know what's going on and to let your voice be heard. Um, imagine if we had that as a litmus test. Only parents of kids that are in the school can come and comment. Well, okay, so that means all the grandmas are out, all the grandpas are out, uh, everybody who's ever had kids in school are out because they don't have them in there now. Uh, you're basically going to exclude everybody that's uh, not within a certain age bracket, and the, the majority of your population will have no say. Well, that's not a Republican system. And so anybody has a right, anybody has an interest. Uh, this is public education we're talking about here. So let's just dispense with this whole nonsense because I've seen this as the pushback from the leftists and the liberals. All you people are coming in here and you don't even have kids in the school. Well, so, right? I still vote, right? It's still my tax dollars. And uh, I have a deep concern about what you're doing to children. Am I supposed to stand back and just allow you to uh, ruin people's lives without me letting my voice be heard? I'm sorry, I'm not willing to do that, all right? So let's be, uh, uh, let's, let's get involved. And wherever, you, like Tamara's saying, wherever your passion is, wherever your heart leads you, wherever God leads you, get involved and don't let things like, you know, oh, my kids don't go here so I can't say anything. No, that's not, that's not a biblical attitude at all. And uh, it's not even a responsible civic attitude. So that's my, that's my response, AJ. Hope it wasn't too harsh. I, I love that. I'm going to just jump in and tell you, Richard, you know, and this is my uh, communications brain going, but we need to cut that up. I don't know how long that was that you just said that one minute or two minutes, but that was powerful. We need to get that out there as a clip, <laughs> what you just said. Seriously, I will share it because that was so well said. 
And it really does make the case, like you said, we're taxpayers. Yeah. We are invested in, in all of these things. Well, you know, I mean, Tamara, just to build on this, we the whole justification for public education is that uh, as a nation, we need to have good education, right? Our kids need to be educated so they can be better citizens. They can be successful businessmen. They can be leaders in the future. And that's supposedly, the, I mean, to, to sell the whole bill of goods of public education way back when, that's how they talked, right? And so it's every citizen's responsibility to pay for compulsory public education because it benefits the nation. But yet you want right. to come and talk about it. No, it's off limits. It's not your concern. Well, that, we're not going to we're not going to do that. That's right. Well, tell me, I've got another question for you here, which is with all this focus on in um, uh, on LGBT stuff in our schools, what I've seen is that they're using the phrase mental health to sort of mm -hmm. gloss over and hide a bunch of this stuff. Are you seeing that, too? Absolutely. It's absolutely it's it's a um, Trojan horse. And it, the other thing I'm hearing, and I mentioned this earlier in the broadcast about sex trafficking. Um, I have a connection in California with a, a woman who's been a teacher for 25 years, and she is blowing this open. Um, she has discovered that these they actually give children a business card with a hotline phone number on it. And according to her research, when they call that hotline number, there is the potential for those kids to be trafficked. Now, I would imagine that they take, they have a process for seeing who to draw in and who to, you know, but, you know, this is very dangerous. And so also, I think the mental health issue is tied to funding for programming in the schools. Um, and so, the stories that I have heard, and I wish I could give you date, time, and place right now um, on that, but I hadn't prepared for that. But I yes. am hearing that, in fact, they are, you know, basically putting that label on kids far above and beyond what we would have considered to be kids that needed, let's say, an IEP, an individual education plan. Um, because of, of having struggles in a classroom setting, like, for example, ADHD, truly ADHD kids, okay, yeah, not just, right. you know, wanting to put kids on drugs, but but who truly get overwhelmed and overstimulated. They can't focus, and they, you know, it, it, that is a real thing. We can talk about, well, why did, why did that increase? That's a whole other topic. Yeah. Um, but the point is they're labeling kids now for things that they would have never labeled kids before before and our listeners and viewers can just do a little searching on that and find it and and again i think part of it is funding more programs quote unquote so getting more funding um, but i also believe it's harming children psychologically um, we already know there is like let's just call it that psychological warfare against our children in in, in public schools yep. and i see this as another form of that when you when you label someone um, our daughter and we didn't know she was ADHD until she was an adult. She was highly functioning. Um, but I did take her, and like I said, I did different things for her because I knew she was having a hard time in school. Um, and so we did work with her on that. But when she was in second or third grade, she had a teacher just come up and say, oh, your special needs. She didn't mm. come to me. She didn't talk to us. She, you know, she just was 
inappropriately labeling our daughter. There was no testing. There was no process. And that hurt her. Yeah. Hurt her very deeply. I bet. As we found out when she was a young adult. So if that hurt her, can you imagine what's happening now with kids getting labeled and told that there's something that they yeah. may or may not be at all? Right. Um, so this whole, and then plus that schools are moving toward being uh, healthcare facilities. I'm gonna just say it that way. Uh, we know that, that with sending many of these kids off in various states to get uh, quote unquote, you know, gender affirming care, which is like the biggest lie in the world, uh, mutilating children and putting them on hormones without their parental consent. Um, they're wanting to do this to these kids. These are medical procedures. And so then we're gonna to move to now the mental health procedures likely without any parental knowledge or consent. Right. Uh, so oh. it's a very dangerous road they're going down. Well, we're we're just about out of time on the show today, Tamara, but I, I, I think the left, they are experts at twisting terminology. And, and, and while you think it means one thing, they've already changed the definition over here and you don't even realize it. Uh, and then, you know, uh, six months down the road, you're going, wait, what? What? And it's too late because the train's already left the station. Mental health is one of those things. They're taking all of this ideological indoctrination on LGBT stuff and they're putting it into the couching it as mental health care for children. And basically it's saying, well, if you, uh, we want all uh, LGBT trans kids to feel good about their identity, right? That's what they're saying. So it's mental health. Well, you know, even though they're grooming children before they even really have any understanding of what sex and gender is all about. Uh, so we have a, here in Colorado, you probably know of Erin Lee and her story. We had her on the yeah. show and she talked about how her 12 year old daughter was tricked into going to a gay and lesbian student alliance uh, indoctrination session told it was art club when in reality they they ask her oh who are you attracted to at 12 years old she says i don't know and they say oh that means you're queer and are you comfortable in your own body she says not totally well i guess you're trans then here's a bunch of stickers and flags and rainbow stuff and and welcome to the trans community we love you now you have friends well, if that's not predatory, I don't know what is. And, uh, and then go on to tell her, oh, you don't have to tell mom and dad because they're not safe. You can lie to them. But here's my cell phone number. Here's an app you can get on where we can talk privately. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just absolutely outrageous. So they, they, they create the problem and then they want to manufacture their solution to the problem. And that solution just happens to alienate families. Yeah, it's just straight from hell. I'm telling you, it's from it the is. devil. But God's given us the victory and people like you out there fighting for this, Tamara, I can't say thank you enough for all you've done. Continue to do. Keep up the good work. Uh, we really appreciate it. How can people get in touch with you as we're closing out our program today? Let's go ahead and put your information up there. How can folks get in touch with you? Yes. So it's at my name on all social media, very active with creating reels on Instagram that are informational, that really are educational. Um, and then AmericanStrategies.org, and you can reach out and contact me if you want help with a rally or an event um, that you would like to do, um, I'm happy to help you. Or if you're running for school board, I can also help you with that. Uh, so I'd love to hear from you. 
All right, excellent. And you can catch Tamara's articles uh, in townhall.com, I think, and uh, probably on our website as well. So uh, once again, Tamara, it's been such fun having you on the show today. Thank you for all you do and for taking time out to be with us today. It was great to be with you, thank you. And folks, I wanna remind you that the Minister's Conference here at Andrew Womack Ministries is next week, October 2nd. Uh, and I think it's four or five days long. You'll get to hear from Andrew and uh, Dwayne Sheriff, Greg Moore, many others. Be sure to register for that. Uh, and uh, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, I wanna encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net, click subscribe, share your email, and you'll start getting all of our informational emails, blogs, and other articles. God bless you all. Thanks for watching today, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.